Amen, amen. Okay, there we go. How powerful is that, right? Man, especially if you're a marriage inside of here that is, uh, you're, you're in a place, you're in a tough spot, you're in a rough spot inside of your marriage today. Man, there's hope. I mean, as Laura just said inside of here, man, if you would have told her four months ago, submission, hello, somebody. She might punch you in your face. <laughs> Any ladies in here, you're like, yes, Lord, amen, amen. But hey, this isn't about, uh, this isn't about the dysfunction of the world in which we live in. This is about operating the design that God has for us because so goes the family, so goes society. And that's why we're having this conversation here today is that the family is so important. Why does the graphic look the way it looks? Because man, as, as the family, you go to the, the family, the family, man, there's gotta be a foundation. And what's the foundation of the family? It's Christ is the foundation. Christ has gotta be the foundation, just as he talks about inside our lives in Matthew 7. If you build your life upon these principles, man, you will be able to stand firm against anything inside of life. And the same thing is true of the family. You build your life upon the principles of God, the word of God, you'll stand firm against any society in which we exist in. No matter how crazy the society gets, no matter how enlightened the society is, no matter what philosophy is infiltrated, whatever part of society, if the word of God is in society and individuals are leading with Christ at the center of their family dynamics and according to his design, there is health in the family. So that's what we're pushing for as a people. We are pushing for Christ as the cornerstone of the family dynamics and his principles, his word uh, informing us in order to thrive. So the family. Now the family is insanely important. As I said just a minute ago, so goes the family, so goes society. Why is that? Each couple that comes together and holy matrimony, I love you. Doesn't matter if you caught feels or you didn't catch feels, doesn't matter, whatever. The moment you say, I do, you are committing to something that is bigger than yourself. It's shaping an entire society. Because the way in which you operate in this marriage dynamic is ultimately going to be an indication of what your kids think about the creator. We set the tempo for that. How we commune and relate is ultimately going to determine their view of God. In the same token, the way that we parent, the culture of our home is going to either develop children or bring dysfunction to them. And if we, we send dysfunctional children out of our homes, what are we doing? We're creating dysfunction in society. So there's so much power in the home. We got to recognize the power of the home. It's not just a flippant thought, catching feels, but it is a, a lifelong commitment that shapes generations. If we don't, if we allow culture to define these things, man, it's all this love story. What do they do? From the moment you're a kid, Ken and Barbie. <laughs> Ellis just told me the other day, my five-year-old told me the other day, I said, we're going over to your friend's house, Cash's house. And you, what I do with her, I'm like, you know, uh, and I start describing, hey, uh, we're going to a friend's house of yours, and he's got blonde hair, and he's got this, and I'll describe, and I'll make her guess. And she's like, cash! And then after she said, cash, she said, my boyfriend. <laughs> and I was like, ch -ch -ch. Oh, what was that? What'd you say? <laughs> huh? Right? But this is from children, from an adult, very, very young faith, it's already setting them up. For what's to come. Is it feels? Is it commitment? Is it feels? Is it commitment? Gotta know what this is. And man, I'll tell you, if you're single in here, man, you come at the right weekend. Because guess what? You're test driving. You are test driving. I'm not saying test driving 
like that. You better not be test driving like that in Jesus' name, because you might wind up with a car seat in the back seat. And that brings dysfunction to that vehicle, okay? So careful. You test driving to figure out is it built for what's to come, right? How many of you here, like, you've ever, uh, what's the first car you drove? Anybody here, you can tell me the first car you drove. Hey, there you go. Was it given to you or did you pick it? Hey, okay. You in my league right here. The first car I got was an 85 Chevrolet. Now, here's the deal. It was, here's an 85 Chevrolet. And I was like, oh, okay. It was the only option. So the only option I had was, do I want wheels to get around? Or do I want to pass on something that is not good? Right? 85 Chevrolet, didn't have any AC, had an electric fuel pump inside of it, so it didn't have that giddy up to it. It was like, and it was like, it was atrocious. It caught on fire at one point in time before I ever, you know, before I ever uh, um, uh, started driving it. Now, here's the deal. I didn't have a choice in the matter, but it was the only thing available to me. And so I drove it. And with that, you know, uh, in the middle of the summer with an 85 Chevrolet that does not have AC, it's very quickly, it's very easy to get a sweaty back. Very easy. I'd get out the vehicle, man. I'd have to pry that thing off my back. Be like, hey, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? What am I saying? It was not the best thing, and it was not necessarily built and, and operational the way I wanted it to. And here's the thing about um, relationship, that if you are in here today, you get a choice. You get a choice in who you choose to do life with, right? You get to kick the tires. You get to look at it and be like, ooh, right? It may be like, oh, okay. Oh, no, it's not okay, right? As Brett likes to say around here, from far away, uh, it looks good from far, but, uh, but it's far from good. There you go. I think that's how he says it, right? I did that one time. I bought a Lexus online that I thought was good, and I got it. It was not good. It cost me a lot of money, right? You could see something. Oh, Lord, that's not good. You get a choice. There's a choice in the matter, right? There's a choice that you have in the decision in which you make. And this is so important, right? You can get down the road once you say, I'm going to purchase this vehicle. And you may have purchased something that is not built to last. It had an oil leak whenever you bought it. The tires were jacked up when you bought it, right? And now you're a year down the road like, I just don't understand why this thing is it. it, it I'm just going to upgrade now. 450. You said you were purchasing this thing. You purchased it. You said, I'm taking ownership of this thing, right? The same thing is true in marriages. You can rent a car and drive it, and then you take that thing back. No, nah, it ain't for me, right? I'll just use it for a little bit. And that's not about using it. Don't get the, the, the analogy wrong here, okay? But the moment you purchase a vehicle, you're saying, I believe in this vehicle. It has the qualities. It has the characters. It has everything necessary for uh, me to be successful, this dynamic of marriage to be successful as we move forward. And we can't complain about the vehicle in which we purchase, right? So the marriage dynamic, I mean, it's an important decision. It's a big decision. 
Don't just treat it like a rental, okay? I buy the cheapest one. I'm like, the cheapest 15, insurance? No, I don't want insurance. That's an extra $15 a day. No, right? You'll get something just given to you. You want to be strategic. Who do I want to spend the rest of my life with? I'm going after that. High quality, high integrity, high ability, right? I'm kind of open to arrange marriages too, just to be honest with you. Not in its full context, don't get me wrong. Arranged marriages go like this. Parents have the understanding of what is necessary for somebody and for their child, right? What are we looking for? A man that's got a job? Hello, somebody. That's got a good work ethic? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, he's got a good family that is teaching him good character and integrity? Okay, okay, okay. Right? I mean, the, the idea is really good. What do they do? The, the modern version, it's not just like, oh, yes, you're marrying this person. The modern version, at least what I saw on TV, um, was <laughs> they got a candidate and then they link them together and say, hey, this is a good candidate based on qualities and upbringing. Go see if you can catch some feels. And if you catch some feels, we know the character and the integrity and the upbringing of this guy or girl is not going to be crazy or flu say on the back end, right? It's, I mean, it's a good in concept because we as a young generation can catch some feels and we're like, oh Lord, the rest of my life, make a bad decision on a one night stand. You wind up with a car seat in the backseat of that rental. Then you're linked up with this loser for the rest of your life because they look good on the outside. You opened up the hood. They have no integrity. They didn't have a father to raise them to tell them how to live. They ain't living by God's word. They just live in La Vida Loca looking for the next rental to use. Yeah, yeah. That's real deal Holyfield right here, right? This is it. We got to be careful. We get a decision. We want to go for the best, right? And don't get me wrong, the arranged marriage thing, uh, just get what I'm saying. When you catch feels, you don't see the full picture in that moment. You just see what you see. And there's a young generation that's pushing against authority that you don't know good for me. I got my own ideas and blah, blah, blah. What do we get? Chaos in our society. Right? A kid by this dude, a kid by that dude, a kid by this one, a kid by that one, kids all over the place, but no fathers in the home. A fatherless generation that does not know character or integrity in order to raise up a generation in order to affect society. So we just live in the chaos of dysfunctional society that's trying to justify dysfunction. That's not Pearl Street Church. We don't live in dysfunction and try to justify dysfunction. The truth of God's word is here that we come to the truth and we live in that design. Amen? Amen? Okay. So let's get into it. Okay? So I would say this, when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to your marriage, it's massively important. In the words of the philosopher Eminem, he would say this, you got to lose yourself in the moment, the marriage, you own it, you better never let it go. You only have one shot, don't miss this chance to glow. This opportunity only comes once in a lifetime. So don't miss your moment with your marriage. <laughs> number one, or I didn't get you the message on the time. What cup are you drinking from? Number one, uh, message of the time, uh, title of the message. What cup are you drinking from? Number one, you can write this underneath it. No one or no thing. When it comes to the marriage dynamic, no one or no thing. 
Jesus would speak this in Matthew 19, verse number four. He's reiterating what's already been spoken in Genesis 2. He would say this. You haven't read the scriptures, Jesus replied. They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. Very clear in biology, male and female. There's no in-between. There's male and female. God made them. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and the two are joined uh, and, and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer, one, uh, no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Very front end to here. We talked about it last week. God created man and woman. Man leaves his father and mother's house and is joined. They cleave together. The two become one. One. Now, Jesus puts in here, adds on top of that, right? Another thing it says in Genesis 2 is the, the two were united into one, and they, they existed together, and they had no shame, which is powerful inside of a marriage. When you are so united, there is no shame. There's no shame in the game. It's full, you know, full exposure. But what would Jesus say on the back end of here? Jesus would say, and let no thing or no man separate what God has joined together. Let nothing, I would say, he says, let no man, I would say also let no thing separate. Let no thing separate. We live in a world here today where everything's going to come after the family dynamic. It's just what we live in. Everything's coming, uh, breaking loose on the family and the marriage dynamic. We must guard it, right? The Bible says guard your heart above all else because the issues of your life flow out of it, Right? We got to be extremely careful that we don't, we guard our hearts in here. We guard our hearts because out of it flows the issues of our lives and everything's coming out, especially when we say yes in marriage, this commitment. Okay. I, I, I dated this person. They're the right person. It's not just feels. I mean, oh, I committed to this person. Jesus says, let your yeses be your yeses and your noes be your noes. Cool. I'm committed to you. I don't want any man or anything to come between me and her, me and him. I don't want anything. So I got to guard my heart that I'm not pulled away from something. Hell's going to try to break loose on your marriage. You got to understand it. You made a commitment to till death do us part. God was like, I got you if you make that commitment. Your yes is your yes. Cool. But on the other side of that, the enemy's like, oh, really? Okay, cool. I got you. Are you really a man of your word? Are you really a woman of your word? Because it's going to be under pressure. And what you know is pressure busts a pipe, for sure. If you don't have Jesus Christ in the mix, pressure will bust a pipe. And so you got to, okay, my desires, where are my desires at? Where, where, where am I getting completed from? How, how am I operating in my life today? Is it, is it feels? Is it, you know, moments? Or my man, I'm, man, I'm complete. I'm, I'm protecting my heart. I'm protecting my life. I'm protecting my eyes, the gateway to my body. I'm protecting it. I'm living in righteousness, making sure I don't get out of alignment. What are we doing? How are we operating? No man or no thing. No man or no thing. Now you jump down inside of this, uh, um, as we talked about last week, there's order to the way God has designed the families. We talked about last week, it's man, it's woman. And then God brings those things together. There is no justification for anything outside of that. You can't jump into a society that's operating from dysfunction and say, well, it could be man and man and woman and woman. And it can't operate that way. Everything, that's all dysfunction. That's out of God's design. There's no blessing on that. What I'll say today is, Pastor, do you think they should be able to get married in our, in our country? Cool. Go down to the municipality, get married. If our country says that they can get married, all good. Go down there. But if the church starts marrying them, we're compromising on the message and the truth of God's word. 
And the only denominations that are compromising in that way are the denominations that are dying because they're compromising on the truth of God's word. No doubt about it. They straight compromised in God's word, not living by the conviction. Christ is the cornerstone, and now they're trying to justify. Oh, well, we'll change our doctrine in order to be more relevant with culture. Culture, the church was never meant to be culturally acceptable. The church was always meant to change culture, set culture, be the very precedence in which culture operates within. What goes on in the church, we want to push that into culture. Not what goes on in culture, push it into the church. It's the wrong direction. We as the body of Christ, and I'll tell you, there's a world out there that is raising a generation to operate in fear of firm convictions in the truth of God's word. That when you say Jesus, you're X, Y, and Z. No, you are not. You're operating the design of God. Don't talk about my daddy like that, okay? You want to talk about my daddy like that, we're going to have some issues. Because my daddy says, this is how things operate. I love you. God bless you. You want to go get married. But it's not going to happen in the church because the marriage is defined by God. And it can only be commissioned in the blessing of God inside of a church by a pastor. That's it. You can't just go do what you want. It's not about you. It's not you being Lord. It's about you submitting to the will of God, Jesus Christ, who is the Lord, and getting in alignment with that. Man. So leaving and cleaving is submission. We're coming into alignment. It is bigger than us. What we do in a marriage is bigger than us. It's bigger. We're shaping a society. Now here we get, here we get into the tension because you can read in Genesis chapter 3. Let me get into this tension real quick. And we're going to wade in the water. Hey, wade in the water. Okay, let's wade in. Okay, Genesis 3, verse number 16. He says, then he said to woman... This is after eating the apple, bringing in knowledge of good and evil, which is elevating what the attempt was to elevate themselves to God's level. The original sin of man, sin enters into the world. There's consequences now. Why have you done this? Both man and woman have eaten this and brought it in. It wasn't, it wasn't an individual thing. It was collected. They both did it. It says in here, this is what God speaks towards women. He says, I will sharpen the pains, the consequences of your decision is I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth. I'll tell you right now, Heather tells me about the times in which the epidural does not work during birth. God bless you, ladies. Praise God. I prayed in tongues the entire time my daughters were born. I'll tell you right now, my two daughters, I just prayed in tongues the entire time. Them doctors thought I was crazy. I mean, the doctors thought I was crazy. They're like, hey, would you like to deliver this one? I was like, heck no, I'm up here praying in tongues right now. I'm in the heavenly and holy of holies right now. <laughs> right? But this is a part of the process. If you're a woman in here, you feel those pains, man. There should be a, 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 a humility that comes with that. Man, God, this is, this is something that God is, uh, however you want to say it, but this is something we walk through and, and God has you know, allowed this to happen for us. Not that you should enjoy it, but there should be a respect and honor that comes with that. Man, I'm bringing life into the world. I get the, the ability to carry life. But on the back end of here, this is the most politically incorrect thing that you could probably ever say in our culture today. And he says this, and you will desire the control of your husband, but he will rule over you. Wow. I'll wait in those waters in just a second. Let's, let's read the rest of it. 
And to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, you listened to your wife. You know what the truth was, but you stepped out of alignment. You did not lead properly. You should have led better because you already knew you should have not made that decision. You should have brought correction and realigned. But since you did not do that, man, this is what you will face. He says, the ground is cursed because you, all of your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you through you, uh, uh, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow, will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made? For you were made from dust and to dust you will return. There's two dynamics that are going on inside of here. One, men, because we did not lead properly, Out of dust, God created us. He gave us authority over the earth. Men, he gave us authority to subdue the earth. Men, he gave us the authority to lead on the earth. Men, he's called us to rise up and lead on the earth. It doesn't matter if your dad was in the home or he wasn't in the home. It doesn't matter if you know how or you don't know how. Figure it out. You cannot be dumb for the rest of your life on not knowing how to lead. You gotta make excuses for how you can know, learn, and grow right? What does he say? You will toil here on this earth. You will scratch the ground. You will toil in the earth. What is the Bible saying? Every man inside of here, innately on the inside of you, you have a desire to get out of the house and go work. Put your hands to use. Do things, create and conquer. It's on the inside of you. Just because we live in a culture here today that is industrialized, that maybe in an infrastructure, in a social system, in a government system that you can sit at home and do nothing, does not mean that you should accept that reality. God has called you to get off your butt and get your hands to work and build something great. Men, it's time to lead. Stop being a loser. Come on. It's time to build something great. It's time to rise up and say, I'm a man created by God. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Now, here's the deal. Just like in tithing, the moment that in tithing, you receive compensation without having to invest in the soil and then God brings the increase, is the moment your conviction has to drive your obedience. What does this mean? In the back in the day, you would take a seed, you sow that puppy in the ground. That was your responsibility. It was God's responsibility to bring the sun and the rain. And in this supernatural ability, harvest would grow. Then our responsibility was to go reap harvest that we did not make grow. We just planted the seed. God brought the harvest. And so what do we say? Out of your storehouse, Malachi 3.10, take 10% of that. And in your honor towards God, take of your resources and bring it to the church. Bring it to the storehouse out of your respect and honor for what you did not grow yourself. So the moment you remove yourself from the earth and you want to operate in the obedience of God, this is why money is a big deal. I say it around here all the time. We don't need your freaking money. It's not about me. God has something for you. And if you ain't giving 10% of your income to the storehouse, you're not walking in the blessing of God in your life. You're just building your kingdom and not his. You build your kingdom long enough, you ain't getting to his kingdom because you live building your own. You were Lord. What am I saying? Give 10%. I unapologetically say that up here. 
it's voodoo. I mean, it's that like voodoo deal, like taboo in the church. Like, well, don't talk about money in the church. Why? If God's word says you'll be blessed when you give, why would I, why would I withhold that from you? I'm a shepherd to bring, you know, to lead you to a place where you can operate in the blessing of God. You see his blessing. So the more you remove the concept that you, you remove yourself from the earth, the more you remove, the more conviction you got to operate in. The same thing is if you're a man inside of here, the more we are industrialized in our world here today, where you are toiling with the earth and you feel like you've conquered the earth. Look at me. Look how much money I'm making. Look how, look how good I am. I toiled this earth. I worked this earth. Look at the increase that's coming back to my life. You're in a very tough spot. You're walking in arrogance and not humility that God has blessed you with gifts. And if you are not sowing those gifts into the kingdom, you will, you will be called a wicked servant. Parable of the talents. Go look it up, Barbara. Parable of the talents. The wicked servant, the wicked servant was not investing. The wicked servant was not responsible for what was placed in his hand. The wicked servant saying, if you was a man, oh, I conquered it. No, you have not. God is the one that's bringing the increase. Give God honor inside of your life. The more you remove, you got to operate from conviction. Amen? Amen? It is a responsibility, men. Get out of your house and go work hard. Be a leader. Be a man of character. Know what the truth of God's word says. Hey, we do, uh, we do fellas every single Wednesday. Fellas, we got to get to uh, a lunch with each other. We got to get iron sharpens iron. We got to get around each other. What is going on in our society today? Men don't know how to lead. Why? Because fathers aren't in the home. And fathers are out either they are literally not in the home, depending on, you know, it's certain groups of people have greater issues than other. But at the end of the day, what is happening? Men are not in the home. It doesn't matter what group you come from. Men are not in the home. Either they're out or they're just completely inebriated. They're out doing all kinds of stuff. There's no men in the home to raise up the next generation. And so we're in a, we're in a predicament inside of our society today. Now, here's the flip side of that. The flip side of it, in the very front end of here, what does it say? Every woman would desire the control of their husbands. Biblical. Every woman on the inside of you, innately, when you get into marriage, you're going to push against the husband being the leader of the home. You're going to desire that. You're going to want that control, Right? And so we'll jump into that in just a minute. But let me just tell you today, this is where we're at in our society. We can't justify dysfunction. What I believe happened is, yes, we had a patriarchal society and the philosophies of this world is like, we got to push against patriarchal society. We do from a standpoint of men leadership everywhere inside of society. It's everywhere. Yes, we want to push against that. There's women leaders that will lead companies and do incredible things. I'm all about women empowerment. Don't get me wrong. The church is all about women empowerment. Some of the key, uh, the key individuals in the ministry of Jesus were women. I'm talking about business owners gave a lot of money for Jesus in his ministry were women. Okay? Women empowerment, praise God, let's go. But it can't be the feminist movement that's suppressing men. Right? Because this, this is what I believe happened. We got all these world wars going on. Men come back from seeing traumatic events. You know right now, more people die on our soil than they do on foreign soils. Why? Because they see chaotic things in war. They come back, they can't handle it here. They're not going to Jesus to resolve the issues. And since they can't handle it here, they take their own lives. More people die on our soil than on foreign soils. 
Somebody probably tell me the number. I think it's like 30-something thousand every year. 22 a day. That's crazy. 22 a day. Whatever that comes out to as far as the number. That's a lot of people. We come back from war. What's happened, I think, in World War I, World War II, all these men came back. They didn't know how to cope with life. They didn't go to Jesus. They went to a bottle. They went to a substance. They went to aggression. And what did they do? They destroyed the home. They destroyed it. What did they see? Kids saw their, their fathers getting you know, getting inebriated and, and causing harm or, or, or just not in the home at all. They didn't set a good example. So you had a young generation rise up and be like, that is dysfunctional. That is horrible. How could that happen inside of our society? Well, I don't want that anymore. I don't want to move towards that, right? Or they have a false understanding of what love is, right? It's all in like what I do and what I do because I'm afraid. I'm afraid if I do the wrong thing, then I'll, I'll get abused. I'll get beat. And this dysfunction happened in our society. So what did women do? There's already the natural desire to control. The home can't just fall apart. So what did women do? Stood up and said, I'm going to lead the home then. This deadbeat loser, I'm not going to allow to define this home. I'm going to provide for my children. I'm going to pour out. And I'm going to tell them how, how sorry their dad is, how horrible he is, how jacked up he is. And what happens? You get television that starts popping in right at that moment. In the 70s and 80s, black and white, television starts telling a vision of the family that's different than the vision that God has for our families. And started painting men as deadbeat losers because that was the dysfunction in which the society was operating in. You get a generation that's getting a vision of the family that's contrary to God's word and making a joke, a laughable joke about the man and the responsibility of a man to lead inside of his home. And we accepted it. We laughed with it like, oh, they are a bunch of idiots. Look at those bunch of losers. And what happens? The control. What am I saying today? Women, you naturally have this desire to control. But if we don't get in alignment with God's design, we will bring complete dysfunction to the order of the family and create dysfunction in our children. So just because there's dysfunction does not mean that we, we operate in a place where we suppress, we are pushing for God's design. If you married the deadbeat, you didn't kick the tires or whatever he is, a deadbeat or whatever he is. Okay, it's time to operate in grace and love towards them. You got to turn that corner. Why? Because we are pushing towards health in our society. We're not pushing towards dysfunction. Amen? Amen. Gen Ephesians 5, let's jump into this. We'll jump into this next part. Ephesians 5 is this. Man, I got to go. Okay, Ephesians 5, number two, if you're going to write it down, live in submission to accomplish the mission. Live in submission to accomplish the mission. There's a mission for the family that God has designed, but we got to live in submission. Now, Ephesians 5 is where we lean in on this. And further, submit to one another out of the reverence for Christ. When it comes to the marriage dynamic, submit. Man and woman, submit out of reverence for Christ. Submit to the mission out of reverence for Christ. Now he's going to jump into this is how, you do, how these dynamics play out, okay? Verse number 22, he says, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Whoa, that's hard. Submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. Whoa, that's hard right there. You just can't get around that. That is hard for anybody to hear that is in our culture today. Why? Because we've built philosophies and ideas that are contrary to God's word in order to, to accommodate and appease the dysfunction. So we have a, a whole generation of young women that are like, whoa, when you say submit, that means like, no, nah, nah, man, you tripping. I'm not tripping. I, I'm not tripping. I am truly, I'm reading God's word here. 
Okay? This was in place long before the dysfunction that operated inside of our country. It can empower us to get to health to save a generation. We can start by saving our city, right? Pro Street Church, a light into this community, salt of this earth in our city. We can save our city, but we got to get in alignment with God's word. So wise, this means submit to your husbands as unto the Lord, for a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church, and the church uh, submits to Christ. So you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Whoa! Submission to the mission. Submit to your husbands as in everything. Now I'll jump into it. Don't get convicted and walked out now, right? Or don't get, <laughs> don't get offended and walk out now, right? There may be some conviction. Allow the Holy Spirit to work as we dive in. Okay, the, the other side of this is for men, for husbands. This means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of his, God's word. Amen. Husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her, amen, to make her holy and clean and wash by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. Yes, Lord. For a man, this, this, uh, for a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Amen. Now, that's really hard. We get it. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his body. So you care for your body. You take care of it. Husbands inside of here, leader of your home, you're taking care of the marriage relationship. You're feeding the relationship. We'll jump into that in just a second. Verse number 31, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say this, each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Submission to the mission of the family. The mission of the family is bigger than a generation. You are here because of a previous generation submitted to the mission and created you. Right? There's been generations that have come down that here you are, voila, in all your glory and your goodness. Let me tell you, marriage is bigger than you and it is bigger than me. The moment we say yes and I do, is the moment we give up our own identity. The word submit that Paul is using inside of here is much like is used in the military sense. He's using military language. When you come into military, you give up your individual identity. It's not about you anymore. It's about the big picture. You feel like, I don't think we should be doing this in the military. Who cares? Somebody's made a decision far bigger than you. Your responsibility is to get in alignment with the authority so not to cause mutiny and or confusion. It's not about the way you feel. It's bigger than you. And if we live in a world where it's all about me and how I feel at this moment in time, that's your fault for not kicking the tires before you purchased it, okay? Now it's time to get yourself in the body shop called Jesus Christ to get the thing worked out in order that you can get back on the road to building a healthy family. Okay, stop making excuses and be like, nah, I'm gonna go, I'm going down to the dealership seeing how much they'll pay for this thing. They ain't paying nothing. The enemy is laughing at you because you are wrecking a generation. You are bringing dysfunction to the world in which we live in. So what is it? It's bigger than you. The decisions you make are bigger than you. When you come into a marriage, it's yes, yes. 
forever. We, yeah, let's go. It's bigger. That's the language he's using. It's get in submission. Wives, get into submission. Not because, you know, not because he's more able than you or he's smarter than you. It's not, it has nothing to do with that. It's everything about the design that God has that the blessing of God flows through. That is what it's about. So it's not about ability, it's about authority. It's not about ability, it's about authority. My wife is a doctor. She's like way smarter than me. She got like, on the SATs, I, like, I probably got half of what she got, okay? Is it about ability? No, it's about authority. And when there's authority in the operating, in the, uh, that operates in the design of God, there is blessing that flows through that. There is health that flows through that, right? There's so many children out here today that are saying like, well, I am this, and this is the way I am, and this is how I identify, and this is the... Well, you're a product of the chaos in which you've come from. That's not the way God designed it. So you're going to feel out of design with God's design. Okay. So it's not about justifying where you're at based on the dysfunction. It's trying to get to where God wants you to be based on his design. Right? Amen. This is preaching. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right? For a man, love your wives as Christ loved the church. What does that mean? Your wives are jacked up. Just playing. They're not that bad. We're all jacked up, right? Christ gave his life for us. We're all jacked up. He loves us, right? But let me just tell you today, men, love your wives. If you don't know what the five love languages are, you're dumb. You are dumb, right? You don't know what you are doing. If you don't know what the five love languages are, time, right? Touch, gifts, words of affirmation, and QT, quality time. Those are the five love languages right there. If you aren't doing any of those, you're dumb. I'll just say it right now. You are not being a leader inside of your home. You are solely focused on yourself. You are not feeding this relationship, understanding, hey, my wife's love language is, is QT. She loves quality time. I'm over here giving her a rose on Valentine's Day. She's like, idiot. You dumb, okay? You're caught up in the societal understanding of commercialism that you buy flowers on Valentine's Day, grow a brain with a little bit of understanding that says, I can do this outside of when everybody else is doing it because I love my wife and I'm caring for my wife. So what do you do? I'm not spending my life and putting my family on the altar of, of toiling the earth, right? I have no time for my family and my wife. No, I set aside time. Say, let's go, let's go spend. If it's QT for her, it's quality time. And you go hold hands and you walk down the beach or whatever it is, and you look in the eyes and you're like, oh, love you too. You spend quality time. And she's like, oh, my God. You just bought her, like, you spent $2,000 on a stupid ring that you got caught up in. She's like, oh, that was cool. And you spend quality time with her. Like, oh, I love you so much. You're like, I just spent two grand. I didn't even get that. Right? You're not speaking her language. You're speaking a language that is foreign to her because that's not her love language, okay? My love language is touch. I'm gonna preach about this really hard right now so my wife's in the room. I love touch. No, but it's about speaking each other's language. It's about being a leader inside of your home. You know what's going on in this house. You're a leader. You're a man. You're a leader inside of the home. You're trying to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. You're constantly laying it down. Constantly. I don't like this because my wife's love language is an act of service. Yeah. And I'm doing a lot to build this church. 
And I get home, I'm like, that gum. Okay, what am I doing now? I'm just tired. I'm just going to spend my life being tired. Okay, cool. Right? When I'm at my best, I'm doing well. When I'm not at my best, the house doesn't look great because she is, loves a clean house. I've mopped more in the last month than I've mopped in the last 10 years of my life. But what do I want? I want my wife to walk into a space after she's delivered 15 children out of a mother's womb in high pressure situations to walk in and smell that pine saw (laughs) and be like, oh, Lord, I've been delivering babies. It's time to have one. (laughs) Just playing. We're not having any more kids. That's over. That party's over. That party is over. It's submission to the mission. Okay? This is not about aggressive. This is not about the patriarchal society, man leadership. It's nothing, about, it's nothing to do with that. This is all about the design of God to say, we want to live in submission to the mission. And as a wife, I just got to get into you know, that authority. Be like, man, as I submit unto Christ, I want to submit into my husband. As, as we walk in this thing out, you know, uh, a husband would be dumb not to take the advice of his wife and, and live in counsel with her. You would be a, an idiot if you did that. George Washington was not the smartest man as the founding fathers of our country, but he was the leader. And he knew how to take good advice and make a decision. Men, it is not about being everything. It's not about being all things. Jesus is that. It's about being a submission to Christ. And both of you guys coming together say, you know what? When it comes down to it, I am the head of this house. And we're going to work together in the mission of the home and the few situations where we don't see eye to eye I trust that you're going to make the decision under submission as Christ is your head. I trust that you're going to make the right decision for our family. What is that? That's called respect. He is loving me. I am respecting him. He is loving me. I am respecting him. How does it play out? We're going to be over on time, but that's all good. We're we're setting marriages up for success. Our city's going to be changed in Jesus' name. Here's the deal. What cup are you drinking from? Number three, you want to write that down. What cup are you drinking from? It's the title, but it's also this. What cup are you drinking from? Okay. Here's how this plays out. You guys come together. Well, I don't want to put that yet. You guys come together in marriage. The responsibility of every male and a female is each one is going to Christ. If you haven't kicked the tires to know that the man that you're about to marry is going to Jesus and receiving the qualities of the Holy Spirit from Jesus, you are setting yourself up for failure. The responsibility of man and woman is we go to Christ. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. We're in submission to him. It's not about us anymore. It's not about what we want to do and how we want to see it done. It's about Christ. How are you calling us to live? We're going to deal with our anger. We're going to deal with our lust. We're going to deal with our frustration. We're going to deal with our issues in our heart because we want to receive the power of the Holy Spirit to live a righteous life. And when we get this coming down, oh, it makes it easy to give there because God has called me to love my wife and respect my husband. It's easy, love and respect. But the moment you get a situation where somebody in here, maybe you're a female, and you cut that relationship, that individual is no longer going to Christ. They're no longer being full of the Holy Spirit. They're just existing upon who they are. Chaos can step in. This is where chaos happens. You had a little changuito and a changuita on there? <laughs> Bebe? 
right? You had a baby, and you had a baby, and some crazy people like Smiley and, and Joanna over there, they had another baby. What happens? Naturally, women, it's very easy for you to start carrying here. You give all your attention there because what happens? You stopped operating this direction. You're not receiving here. You're not operating there. He feels disrespected. So what does he do? He begins to reject you and you're not getting love. So what do you do? You give it to your children. You just pour it into your children because they immediately love you. They're going to give you all you need. And like Laura and Will, God wasn't at the center. It was their children. We just pour into our children because their children give, but we don't look at each other. We're not operating. This is real deal, holy filled stuff. You have a kid, the hardest time in your marriage is when you have a kid. Why? Because physically things can't happen. There's a shift in priority, sacrifices all over the place. Man, you could operate in frustration, but you're not looking at the reality of the family dynamic. Responsibility by each one of us, the same thing is true on both sides. When this happens, okay, I know this thing's like marked completely up now. It doesn't make sense anymore. <laughs> but no matter if you're a female or you're male, if this stops right here, you stop going to Jesus and you stop drinking from that cup, Jesus would talk about to a woman that was a Samaritan woman. Hey, give me a drink. She's like, who are you talking to? So if you knew who you talking to, you'd be asking me for a drink. She's like, what are you talking about, Jesus? She's like, I got a drink that's everlasting water. You'll never thirst again. You drink natural, all good, you're going to thirst again. But you drink from me, you'll never thirst again. Come on, thirsty women in the house, right? <laughs> thirsty men in the house, both, okay? Put it together. It's time to get to Jesus. You wouldn't be so thirsty if you got Jesus. Right? You wouldn't be used and abused if that person went to Jesus. And it wouldn't be so hard to give. Love and respect wouldn't be so hard to submit in marriage if you were going to Jesus, okay? It's time to go to Jesus. What cup are you drinking from? Is it insecurity? Because your dad didn't value you in the home and tell you? Is it insecurity? Is it value? What is it? What, what, what cup are you drinking from here today? Jesus like, you come to me, there's everlasting water. You'll never thirst again. We're never meant to be completed by man's creation. We're always meant to be completed by Jesus. That's where our completion comes from. And if we're going to Jesus, we can receive what we need to move in the direction of our spouse. Why? Because it's bigger than us. We are shaping a generation. And so goes the home, so goes the generation. So goes the culture. Our kids need to see what a healthy relationship looks like. Our kids need to see, I feel this, I don't like it, but I keep on doing the right thing because that's what the righteousness of God looks like. They need to see it. They need to see it in us. They need to see what commitment is, conviction is, character is. They need to see it in us. If not, they will never live it out. And they will reproduce the dysfunction. We see it all over our culture today. What cup are you drinking from today? A cup? Is it dysfunctional? Is it leading you down roads of pain, hopelessness, loneliness? What is it? If it's not Jesus, it's time to flip the script and start grabbing for a different cup. Right? Come on, let's jump up to our feet today. I want to pray over your marriage. I want to pray over your life and your purity. If you're single, I want to pray over your purity. 
I pray that you're reaching for a cup of Jesus that you can live a pure life here on this earth. In your marriage, I pray you're reaching for Jesus that you can drink from his cup to be satisfied, that you can move in sacrifice. Right, Romans 6 talks about, yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Your wife and or your husband may not be what you want them to be, but God has still called us to move in the direction of love and respect towards them. We don't want to, we don't want to sidestep God's design because we think better. We want to operate in God's design to see God's blessing flow in our families. God can bless you where you are at in your marriage dynamic, whatever it may look like. Let's pray. God, we come to you, Lord, and we thank you. The Lord, your word is truth. No matter how dysfunctional we get as individuals and as a society, God, when we come to you, there is truth that passes all understanding. And Father, we just receive that today, God. I just pray over individuals today that are single, that Father are trying to live a life of purity, pushing against a life of, of lust, pushing against a life of fornication, God, behaviors that are out of alignment with your design, and Father, ultimately operating from a place of dysfunction. I just pray purity into our house here today, God. May we grab hold of all the dysfunction, God, that may operate in our lives. Father, whether there's an addiction to pornography, God, whether it's womanizing, or Father, it's just dating to date, and relationships to, to have, and hookups, or whatever it may be, God, whatever the reality may be in dysfunction, I pray we grab hold of all of it here today as single men and women in this house, God. No longer are we moving in dysfunction, God. We don't want to exist in that place, God. We want to exist in a place of righteousness where our lives, they honor you and only you, that we move in holiness and godliness. Purify us, God. Father, in our marriages today, Father, where there's been anger and there's been hate and there's been disrespect and Father, there's been a lack of love inside of the home, God. Father, what the enemy is meant for harm. Today is the day that you transition it and you transform it and you turn it into good for the marriages in this house, God. You turn it around. God, in submission to the mission, God, we come into alignment with your design. And Lord, I pray you break every false idea, false argument against the home and the design of the marriage in our lives today, God. It no longer can stand inside of our minds and our lives, God. Every argument has been obliterated by your word. And today we rise up in the truth. And we live here today. We live in the truth and we know it sets our homes free. It sets our children free. It sets our marriages free, God. Your will be done in our church. Your will be done in our homes. Your will be done in our families. Your will be done in our city, God. As we, as we operate in function, as we operate in health, as we operate in righteousness in our homes, may it affect our entire city, God. May it flow out into our city, God, that what happens in us, what happened in our city, God. We pray for your design to be lived out in our society. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen and amen and amen.